Welcome to Love Letters from Jesus, the podcast that brings you the Sermon of the Week, with your host, Pastor Ted Bojanic. Hello, welcome to Love Letters from Jesus. My name is Pastor Ted Bojanic. I am your host. It is a lovely day here at Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church in Fredericksburg, Texas. And I am eager to speak to you a little bit. I have in the next segment a guest from Beloit, Wisconsin, a man who was my uh, roommate in the seminary in uh, Wisconsin, and he has become an author of many books. You can find his books at Amazon.com. Mr. John Ho Jr., Uh, his last name is spelled H-O-H, some really um, interesting books there. I would invite you to look up his name and check out his books because I think you would find his books very interesting to read and you learn a lot. Um, His books are on religious topics and on historical topics. So you might want to check that out. So we didn't have the best connection all the way through our interview. And uh, just wanted to mention that before you get to that segment. But our scripture today is on is from Matthew chapter 13. And all of that's included in the next segment in the Bible study portion. And we also have a sermon on the prodigal son from St. Luke's Gospel. And that was last week's sermon from uh, the last Sunday of March. And I think you will enjoy that very much. So that sermon was preached March 27th, 2022. Um, Luke chapter 15, the main scripture verses there would be verses 11 to 32. And the theme of the sermon was, Rejoice with me, I found my lost son, a prodigal lost in sin, a repentant child seeking peace. So keep that in mind as you listen to this anyway. um, Keep in mind, you can find this broadcast, this uh, podcast on Google Podcasts, on Spotify. We record on Anchor. Uh, I am out there on some other podcast services which for now will remain nameless, Pocket Cast, I guess, yeah, and a few others. Um, so I'm out there. You can find me. Use your web browser. And uh, working on getting on Apple 
as well. So our uh, listenership is going up. We got a few more people in a few more states listening to us and some friends in Wisconsin, a few more friends in a few more places in the great state of Wisconsin listening to us. We have people in the Minneapolis area in Minnesota listening to us now and some friends in Tennessee who have found us listening to us now and also in uh, Oregon, the state of Oregon, who have found us and are listening to us. So we're excited about all the new listeners. We're thankful for our new listeners in Texas, in Sugarland, Texas, and Houston, and in the San Antonio area. So, and we also want to say hi to our listeners in Shanghai, China, as they as he does the Lord's work there and shares his podcast. Majority of our listeners are right here where we are located in Fredericksburg, Texas, but we have plenty of listeners in other places. So we hope our listenership will grow because this is all about sharing the word of God with other people. So I'm not doing this to get rich or to get famous, but to share the gospel with other people. So I would hope that you would share the knowledge of this cast, this podcast with other people so that they too can hear the word of God uh, when they have the time to sit and listen to this or drive along in their car and listen to this. And that's what this is really about. We do have a, a, website uh, which is also similar um, to the name of our podcast um, love letters to jesus.com and um, between each word it is broken up with uh, a partial line so love letters to jesus.com so love, and then a half line letters, and so like that all the way through love letters to Jesus.com. Anyway, you'll find it. The Lord be with you as you enjoy the next segment with our guest, Mr. John Ho Jr., author of many books and a good friend of mine, and our discussion of the parable of the weeds from Matthew chapter 13. Hello. Hello. All right. That was much better. All right. I am your host. My name is Pastor Ted Bojanic. This is Love Letters from Jesus. I am joined here today by a guest, uh, author of several books. You can introduce some of his writings himself that would be uh mr john ho jr john would you like to say hello hello 
would you like to tell us a little bit about your writings? Uh, yes, most of my books are on religious topics, and some with Lutheran tradition and history. Uh, also, writing books on uh, the Underground Railroad, so I have a little bit of broadening there. No, some of my books I write are are uh, meditative pieces on various uh, Lutheran hymns in the hymnal and um, the theology behind those hymns. Okay, so uh, where can we find your your books if we are interested to find out more or possibly to buy some of them? Uh, they're available uh, through my. Uh, Printer of Lulu.com. Uh, search for my name. H O H is the last name. Um, they're also available on Kindle or through, through Amazon. And if there's a book you're interested in but you want to use your favorite local bookstore, all you need to know is the title, the author's name, and the ISBN number, and they can order it for you. Well, that's really good. All right. Very good. Uh, we are here today to uh, delve into Matthew chapter 13 and talk about one of Jesus' parables, um, the parable of the weeds. This is one that you know, most people probably don't think about a whole lot, but it's also one that in the same chapter that he explains, which is very helpful as well. The disciples ask him to explain it. So using a NIV, one of the older NIV Bibles, I'm going to read that, and then we're going to discuss it a bit. So here we go with the reading. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping... His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then Gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. That is the parable. Parable is an earthly story, one that people can relate to. Jesus usually told agricultural stories because that was the lives of most Israelites. But it has a theological meaning, a heavenly meaning, that he would use this way to uh, explain um, to the people um, 
what they can expect from God. So, John, would you like to talk about this first? Yeah, there was, it's always been an interesting parable in, in my estimation. Having grown up on a farm, you always have weeds that grow among all of your crops that you plant. But you don't, you might cultivate corn, have a cultivator go through corn that grows in rows, but usually not in grains. You don't go in and pull out the weeds. So that might have been what puzzled Jesus' listeners, uh, that, he, that he was, the owner would say that some enemy had planted the, the weeds, might, might seem strange, um, because weeds kind of grow naturally. But uh, you, you grow, you, you plant wheat, you broadcast it, you plant it, it grows up thick. So when the weeds grow up, obviously by pulling on the weeds, you're going to uproot the plants as well. And then walking in to pull the weeds, you're going to trample on some of the grain stalks. So there's that picture there as far as my background and growing up on a farm. So the weeds and the wheat would be very thick, very close together, right? Yeah, there are a number of weeds that do imitate what crops look like. like you learn as you grow up that uh, something that looks like corn is actually weed and you want to pull that. But what, you know, like you have the corn and you have the weed and one of them has a very uh, smooth leaf to it and the other one doesn't. And you learn which one is which to, to pull and which is which to leave behind. Okay. So Jesus here tells them he's been working for him. Um, let them both grow together until the harvest, um, so that you're you're not going to ruin the crop and needlessly pull up the wheat and then his harvesters will take care of the rest you know we'll read the uh, explanation here in just a minute that Jesus has but you know we know he's talking about believers and unbelievers the wicked people living together here on earth um, so <clears throat> you have any thoughts on that uh, well, I mean, it's. I know in some areas you you can get a book that has like a Christian business directory. You you can ostensibly uh, shop only at Christian so-called Christian businesses so that your money doesn't go to evil means. But uh, you know, who knows that you can't uh, discriminate when you employ somebody. So you know, you could still be. Contribute contributing to somebody's uh, sinful lifestyle, um, so there's no guarantees that you can avoid sinfulness and sinful people. And certainly, uh, you know, I I know in my own case, uh, running into people that aren't believers that ask me questions, and you know, it kind of strengthens my faith because I have to go back to the Bible and see what Scripture says in order to be able to answer their question. So in a sense, there is a strengthening there. Yeah, it's really impossible, isn't it? Because you're in the world with everyone, but you don't have to be of the world. 
correct. Uh, in fact, we're the in the world to be lights in the world. Right. Yeah, you're here to do mission work, and someone who is, you know, using the parable, a weed today, um, you know, out there in the world, you know, there's still this time of grace where they may they may cross over from death to life and believe in Christ. And I think that's part of what Jesus is talking about here is let them let them be mixed together because um, there may be those who who go to church and change or meet up meet meet up with Christian people and hear hear the word. I'm going to read the uh, parable of the weeds explained, and this is in the same chapter, Matthew 13, uh, beginning with verse 36. Verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. Field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. And that's that's the end of the reading. Mm-hmm. So do you have any thoughts on the explanation? I, I'm you know, just, just hearing that again, that... Uh... I'm wondering if the tares might be like the uh, minions that Satan sends among us. You know, we might not know they're there. They're invisible. Um, and there might be some wheat that the sun has planted. I, I, you know, it's it can can be confusing if you don't take it in light of the rest of Scripture. Right. Exactly. You know, there's always this spiritual battle going on around us, which kind of brings us into uh, Ephesians chapter 6, where God tells us through St. Paul to put on the the armor of God, uh-huh. which uh, is a reminder to be in the Word of God. And to 
use the offensive tool he gives you, which is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Because if we're just letting our Bible gather dust, then you're not in the word. And, uh, and the devil knows it, and then you're an easy mark. Correct. So it, this is another reminder here um, to all of us that hell is real. And the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire. I mean, yep. you make it very real. So it will be at the end of the age. And, you know, the judgment seems like it's going to be very quick, you know. And they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the love of God is not there. The time for that is over. Uh -huh. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And we've heard that before uh, in other places in scripture. You know, and that's that's what God wants for his believers. And the interesting thing is that all the work is done by the farmer. Yeah. The planting and the harvesting. Um, it's it's not people that, that do that. No, you know, this is not anything of man. This is everything by God. So, I mean, even if God causes you to uh, go and share his word, you know, that's still God motivating you. Yes. And when you repent of your sins, that is still God working in you to do that. He works in you through the gift of faith. To, uh, to repent. And the Holy Spirit does that daily in our lives. Yeah. Um, my my wife are... asked me the other day, if uh, she says, well, Lutherans don't believe in, don't, don't seem to like uh, revivals, do you? And I said, well, if you look at Luther's uh, um, explanation of baptism that we, by daily contrition repentance, I said, that's a daily revival. Yeah, definitely is. You know, we were just studying this with uh, kids in my youth catechism class going through the creed. And I reminded them there was this guy in a nursing home in Phoenix that went through this. Every time I would visit him, the... The meaning to the third article of the Apostles' Creed. First, the Apostles, the third article of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And then he would always want to say the next part with me, which was written by Martin. I believe that I cannot by my own thinking or choosing believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified, that is, made holy, and kept me in true faith, 
in the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and fully forgives all sins to me and all believers. On the last day, he will raise me up and all the dead and give me eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. And that's there in this parable. Yep, and that's that's that uh, hope that we have within us. You know, yeah. St. Peter t- uh, tells us that we should always be prepared in season and out of season to testify to the hope that is within us. And that's, that's all God really asks of us as Christians in our witness. Not, not that we yeah. do the actual conversion, but that we give hope to the witness, uh, witness to the hope that's, that is within us, that hope that God is with us now and he will take us to be with him uh, when we uh, pass into the, to the pearly gates. Uh, you know, sanctification, uh, to make holy, uh, you know, Hebrew, the kadosh, Hebrew word kadosh also means to set apart. So God taking something and setting, setting it apart. Um, and that would tie in with the, the, the wheat and the, and the weeds that uh, God still has set us apart. He knows which are wheat and which are weeds. Uh, but he set us apart and will gather us on the last day when he throws the weeds into the fire. Um, the word kadosh is still used in, in Hebrew today. Uh, I heard it used in context of when you uh, clear off a hard drive and start over on your computer, you're kadoshing your c- computer. Um, so you're not leaving anything left behind. You're making it totally clean and, and then you start over again. And that's what Jesus does to us with his blood. He uh, wipes us clean and starts over again. What a gift of his grace that is. You know, yes. what great love that is. Well, I think we're just about out of time here for uh, our episode, but I thank you so much for joining me today. And thank and you for having me. It was an honor. Yeah. We'll have to have you back sometime, and uh, I hope people find your books and learn from them because you have a, a lot of wisdom to share. And Thank you. So you have a blessed Easter, and uh, we'll be back in touch with you soon, okay? Thank you, Pastor. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the word of God before us today their gospel lesson for the day Luke chapter 15 1 to 3 and then verses 11 to 32 rejoice with me I found my lost son a prodigal lost in sin 
A repentant child seeking peace. Jesus was speaking to a mixed crowd. He actually tells them three parables in a row, all with the same message. The parable of the lost son, or the prodigal son, as many of us learned it originally, is the last one he teaches. But he also taught them, first of all, about the lost sheep and the lost coin in Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. These were the people that the Pharisees always felt they were too good to be hanging around with. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. See how they're sneering and looking down their nose at Jesus? Then Jesus told them this parable. So, at this point, he told them the lost sheep, told them about the lost coin, and the joy of a shepherd finding his lost sheep. And he rejoiced over the one lost. He was glad for the ninety-nine. But he went up and he looked for the one lost. And the woman who lost her coin swept her house and turned on the light and rejoiced and called her neighbors when she found that one lost coin. And he talks about how the angels of heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents at the end of each of these parables. And then he comes to the parable of the lost coin or the lost son, which we know as the prodigal son. What is a prodigal? Someone who is wasteful. Someone who takes something, their money, and burns through it. It's burning a hole in their pocket, and they go out and they waste it. Maybe this parable would be better titled The Amazing Love of the Father. That would be a good title for this. Because that's really what this is about. There was a man who had two sons, Jesus begins. The younger one had the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. He acknowledged his young son's request and he gave to him his part of the inheritance. Normally it would be, it would be, it would be expected. You wait for your father to die before you take your inheritance and go. But, this son couldn't wait to leave his father's house. And the older son is expected to stay and run the father's estate. So the young son is in a hurry. 
to go out into the world. He's not content to be in his father's house. So Jesus reveals not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, the inheritance that was just given to him, set out for a distant country, most likely a Gentile land. Remember, he's Jewish. And there squandered his wealth in wild living. And later on, the older son reveals he squandered it with prostitutes. So he wasted his inheritance in wild living. He lived it up in in a, a sinful way. He was not living wisely as he had learned to do in his father's house. In his father's house, he had learned to live a godly way. So he ignores that and he steps away from godliness and goes out and lives an ungodly way. He steps away from grace. And goes out and lives apart from grace and lives apart from God's will. He lives according to his sinful will. After he had spent everything, he had nothing left, his pockets were empty. There was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. The verb here tells us that he hired himself out and that he he stuck to him like glue. He was hired and stuck in a position that would be hard to get away from. So people sometimes get into a situation in a foreign land where they're hired into a position because they have no money and they find that it's hard to get out of that position. And that's the idea that Jesus is trying to convey here. Who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Remember, he's Jewish. Pigs are unclean. The last thing a Jew wanted to do, especially one who was raised in a wealthy household, is go feed pigs. So here he is, hitting bottom. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. You see, he didn't have enough people food. He was even desirous of the pig food, just to have enough to eat. But no one gave him anything. He was hungry. When he came to his senses, uh, there's nothing like a hungry stomach to help you to come to your senses. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven 
and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He is ready to repent. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of direction. He realizes from the word of God that he had heard in his father's house that his life choices were wrong ones. To go out and to waste everything he had and to live this sinful life apart from the grace of God that this was wrong. And that what he gave up he would no longer be worthy of. He is not worthy to be his father's son anymore. He would be perhaps worthy, maybe, to be one of his father's hired men. So he goes back and asks for that. He's not worthy to live in his father's house. He deserves nothing. He realizes he deserves no mercy or kindness from his father. So he goes back. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. Wealthy men like this father, stately men like this father, they don't run. But this father, filled with compassion, he ran. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. He didn't send his servants to do everything for him. He ran to his son himself. He greeted his son himself. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. He let him know that he's welcome. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. See, slaves don't get sandals. And a ring of sonship was placed on his finger. He gave him his position back. He was not put on probation. He was not scolded. He was received back into his role as son. And he was joyfully received. Joyfully loved. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Imagine the shock on the son's face when his father received him this way, when a ring was put on his finger and this robe was put on him and sandals on his sore, probably bleeding feet. And he was received this way. And the father said, Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. He was dead in sin. He had left faith. He had walked away from everything that was of God and decided to live without God. And when he realized that life without God is not possible, when life without the blessings of God is not possible, the words of God planted in him, the memories of God's blessings in his life before led him back, led him to repent. And he came back, realizing he was unworthy, realizing he deserved nothing. But God, his Father, reaches out to him in mercy and greets him with love, with grace and generosity. And says, welcome home, son. Puts a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Kills the fattened calf. And they celebrate. Because he is now again in the family of God. But there's another lost son. Meanwhile, the older son was out in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed a fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We don't know that the father ever convinced 
the older brother to come in. The older brother had a problem. He had a problem because, you see, his own pride was in the way. He only saw what he did with his father. He only saw his own works. He didn't see his father's love for him. He didn't see his father's grace to him. And that his father's grace to him was every day a gift to him. He didn't realize that everything he received from his father, he didn't deserve. He took it for granted. So, it was so much easier to be angry at his brother. But the father in love reaches out to him and says... You're here with me and everything I have is yours. And your brother has come back. I love both of you. So come in and let's be glad. And let's celebrate. Because both of you are in my house. And my grace, my love, encompasses both of you. Because I want you both. This part of... Jesus' story, the older brother, was to encompass the Pharisees, who were always self-righteous. But it could really be anybody who's self-righteous, who looks at people who have sinned and come back to church perhaps and say, well, why are they back? We have to be careful there, don't we? Where you see, we could be any, either brother in this story. We could see ourselves as the prodigal, needing God's grace. That fits us all. We could be this older brother. The self-righteousness could affect any one of us. But look at the father here. How he reaches out to both. How his gifts of love are for both. How his kindness is for both. How his forgiveness is for both. And this story is open-ended. Jesus doesn't tell us what happens. But we know that this same Jesus, who told this story was reaching out to the Pharisees because he wanted them to believe in him and be saved. And he was reaching out to the tax collectors and the prostitutes because he wanted them to be saved. And he took up all the sins of the world having satisfied the law's demands with his perfect life. And he went to the cross and he suffered and he died and the blood of Jesus has washed away all of our sin and our guilt and our shame. And he is our salvation. And he does forgive us. 
and the mercy of God has taken away our sin and guilt and shame. And the grace of God to us is that we are loved. And though we do not deserve forgiveness of sins and eternal life, God gives it. And though we do stumble into, we'll call them pet sins, the ones we tend to fall into a little too much, yet God forgives us. And when we repent, he rejoices. And when someone who has been a long time away from him comes back and repents, oh, there is a party in heaven. God rejoices that they are back with him in his family. And we should rejoice too. Because God wants them to be in heaven. God would have all to be saved to come to a knowledge of the truth. Rejoice that our God is so gracious and loving and forgiving. And let us be like him. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to Love Letters from Jesus. I'm your host, Pastor Ted Bojanic, and I look forward to you listening again, once again. If you liked our podcast, please give us a five-star review. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor, or Google Podcasts. Look forward to having you listen to us again. Have a great week.